Hello, everybody, and welcome to Brass Tacks After Dark. I'm your host, Rick, and uh, today I am joined by a very good friend of mine, the illustrious and intelligent Mr. Alex. How you doing, Alex? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for the intro, man. Absolutely, man. Good to hear from you. It's been a long time. Then, last time I saw you was New Year's Eve 2012. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Yeah, Colorado, man. Doing big things. Trying to, man. Just trying to get this show going and all that business, man. But uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Alex is joining us from uh, Piranha, Brazil. And I know I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of that. That's no, okay. It's a Native American. It's Paraná. But it's all good, bro. It's not even Portuguese, so you're fine. Right on, man. <laughs> Well, again, man, really good to hear from you. And uh, yeah, dude, been way too long. And uh, it's it's sad that uh, I feel like we could have gotten together and uh, had some conversations before this. But it's always sad when uh, a virus brings friends back together. You know, these circumstances could certainly be better. Oh, no, for sure, man. But even like whenever your like birthdays came up, I was always making sure to let you know I was still out there listening to your vibes, dude. Oh, hell your, yeah. Your like, sonic vibrations through <laughs> this world, you know? Always appreciated. Oh, still man, remember I remember when we first met up with the music. You asked for a bass, give you a fretless bass. You're like, nah, I'm just going <laughs> to do it in post. Never mind. Yeah, exactly, man. That was uh, that was kind of <laughs> cool. We we met by chance. We uh, Alex and I used to be neighbors when I still lived in Myrtle Beach. And uh, since then, he and I have split off into completely opposite directions of the globe, but uh, have maintained the friendship. Yeah, man. Um, you know, no matter how far we end up, it's good to know that I always have you have a friend in me, man. You know, beyond any infinity. Fuck yeah, dude. So if you Likewise. Anything, let me know, man. Hell yeah, man. So uh, we uh, we we should address the elephant in the room. Uh, we're we're doing this right now. We're having this conversation because. Uh, I kind of I kind of started recently doing these these uh, morning and late night live streams, just kind of trying to update and hang out with everybody while we have all this extra time on our hands and uh, kind of discuss the virus and uh, how it's affecting us in our day to day routines. And um, I was glad that you contacted me because I'm I'm really curious. You know, like we're inundated in the states, we're inundated with news about what's going on um, in the surrounding states and especially in my area, things have been ramping up pretty crazily, but, uh, I definitely want to get a uh, perspective from you, um, living in a a different part of the world. You know, you guys are, you guys are still at a fairly small amount of cases right now, but I mean, as we've seen, it can spread like wildfire overnight. And I'm just kind of curious, like how you've, uh, or if you've seen anything going on day to day in your, uh, routine. No, absolutely. There has been like a great deal of change. I remember first tracking, like the first I ever heard of coronavirus was like from TikTok and shit. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And then, you know, the Chinese media was trying to shut this down. This was maybe in December. I'm like, what in the world? And then I was like, oh, this shit might be serious. And I'm talking to people. Have you heard of this? Have you heard? No one hears a thing. Right. And then I start, and then I start hearing like Europe is getting hit. And I'm like, oh shit. And then like... Oh, can I swear on this shit? It's the internet. Oh, you can say whatever you want, man. It's brass tacks. We say way worse. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Uh, Anyways, I don't know. I was trying to get a PBS uh, syndication or anything. Oh, God, no. um, So I started tracking here in Brazil. When I started tracking, it was 30, and that was maybe four or five days ago, and now we're up to 1,200, which is like an insane figure. Yeah. 
And currently in my city, now we're at 30 confirmed cases with around 300 suspects, no deaths. So that's okay so far. But within this like week, the surge from 30 to 1,200, a um, bunch of beach cities like um, Ipacanema, that like every tourist will know, Rio de, uh, de Janeiro, um, like they just been kicking people out of the beaches. Um, here now, cops are just starting to roam the streets, saying get off the streets. Um, so are like they... the restaurant where I work at, um, I'm like I'm a chef by trade, didn't choose to be, but right. Those hood rats. Um, well, I mean, you are a very talented <laughs> chef. I mean, that's another thing too. I want to say, um, if you enjoy pictures of uh, really good food and really well taken pictures, you should follow Alex on Instagram at uh, Chef Alex G eight four three. I do you do some some miraculous work I have to say oh thank you sir I usually keep it to my life to the like gone in 24 hours because I'm always a little bit shy but I gotta gotta work somehow you know gotta fit it's definitely a cool adventure hell yeah dude uh, being a chef when definitely like being here has awoken something um because there's like so much fresh food over here like no lie like food down here just tastes different it's hard to explain like an orange somehow tastes like an orange it's it's hard right. to explain but like food actually has a taste so i was like holy shit maybe i should be doing something else well that's cool but man. I getting mean, how... back to... yeah man oh i'm sorry go but, ahead but getting back to topic no you're fine um yeah the restaurant i worked at like we completely shut down um so it's just like some people are choosing to do like takeout um only but since i work at a higher end thing like our food wouldn't survive delivery it wouldn't even be worth it you but we'll like we'll just ride this shit out and see what happens, you know. Exactly. One, like, like a lot of people are taking really extreme measures, like sanitizing everything, running it through the dishwasher, like bulletproofing everything they need to bulletproof, and having like reserved and like it's, it was too much work for us. Right. I don't know how it's over there, you know, but like we were just like, I don't know, we'll just shut things down. Yeah, exactly. Which, yeah. I don't, because it's a plus here because everyone gets salary. Even if you're like a McDonald's worker, you still have like your salary at the end of the month, whether you work or not. Oh, like that's you're right. Your, your, like, yeah. So, like, so are you still getting paid right now? So. Yeah, I'm still getting paid. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, that, I wish they would, I wish they would instill something like that here in the States because I mean, I don't know if you've, uh, I don't know how many people you've ca- kept in contact with down in uh, Myrtle, but Dude, people are losing their jobs left and right, you know, being uh, suspended indefinitely or uh, just for foreseeable until the foreseeable future. But um, a lot of, uh, as you already know, a lot of the business uh, in Myrtle and any any tourist town, um, we thrive on those tourist dollars down there. And, and it just sucks because you have to try to make this mad dash to pile up all this cash you can to last throughout the winter. And I just don't see that happening unless the state or the government or the federal government steps in and provides some sort of monetary relief because you're going to have turmoil. I mean, it, it's good that you're still getting paid and stuff like that. And even on my end, um, I work at a liquor store. And so <clears throat> in good times and in bad, we're always going to be okay, I think. I think we're one of those uh, rare industries that, that will uh, survive the virus. <laughs> Oh, no, for sure. Um, I'm sure there's some prostitutes out there trying to turn COVID-19 into STD instead of just a virus. You know? <laughs> definitely well, dude, have you seen those? Have you seen those articles? Uh, there's, uh, as as you know, there's certain areas in the U.S. that uh, have legal prostitution and things like that. But uh, they're saying the industry as a whole is taking a hint or uh, taking a hit because of this. And uh, 
you know, it's it's kind of crazy. You know, it kind of puts things in perspective when the virus is a pussy deterrent, which you don't really see that a lot. You know, it's it's not it goes against our nature. It's counterintuitive, but it's crazy. You know, we're all feeling it right now. No, I'm sure there's definitely in nine months from now, there's definitely going to be some Corona kids for sure. There's going to be another <laughs> boom to, to place all that we love. That's Ain't such a good point. But to thirst trap people and gamble it all and play Russian roulette. Thirst trapping people. <laughs> you know, there's definitely some people going to some sketch areas right now willing to risk it all just for, for a little bit of paradise in this turmoil. Yeah, it's, that's an interesting point you bring up. We are going to have a generation of uh, children coming up that will, I mean, now they're going to be known as the Corona Kids. But it's an interesting point because you have to, when you have to sequester yourself away or you have to quarantine yourself, there's not too many activities outside of, um, you know, internet and like video games and shit like that. Eventually, you know, it's, you're going to get down to just some straight up bare bones fucking. And if there's one thing humans are good at, it's doing that. It's good. At, they're, and most of the time, you know, that what sucks is that, you know, it's going to be a lot of really unintelligent people procreating during this whole mess. But I guess we just have to roll with the punches uh, yeah. as we are already. Yeah, it's not like we got to repopulate the earth somehow. And it's just a take, <laughs> like, it's a, a buffet for all these, like, lower income people, I suppose, or people of less intelligence who don't even care. I don't know if you saw that thing on, I, what was it on? It was, I don't know if it was CNN, fuck CNN. But, fuck um, all the news networks, man. The, yeah, no, fuck all of them. But there was like a bunch of like spring breakers down in Florida. They're like, oh, I don't care if I get Corona. Like I'm still going to party it up whether I get it or not. It's funny like, you bring that up. We we literally, we featured them on our show last night on the Baloney Boys uh, segment where we choose somebody that makes an ass of themselves out in public and we, we uh, laud them for their stupidity. But yes, we talked about them last night at length <laughs> and it's, it's really unbelievable. Yeah. Fucking Darwinism at its finest, yeah, like, I suppose. Yeah, someone be so like selfish or just ignorant to what is actually going down, you know? Like you got to keep down that curve. And these motherfuckers don't care. Along, and of course it's Florida. Like where else is people gonna be unre- like just not care about anything whatsoever? Yeah, if there's one thing humankind has proven time and time again that we are very, very good at creating our own fucking disasters. Yeah. We are the harbinger of our own war, I suppose. Yeah, it's very, of our own calamities. So very well it is said. What it is. That's why I miss talking to you, man. You you always you always had a uh, you always had a really good way of putting things in perspective. I appreciate that about you. Uh oh, did we lose you? Hello. Hello. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> uh, I might have cut out. Fuck. Yeah, it's I went okay. In whole it, was, it was great. I don't know what got cut, but it's okay, dude. You're in fucking Brazil. I think we can give you some. We can give you some leeway with the connection. <laughs> yeah. You know, just a couple miles away. You know. Yeah, a stone's throw. Yeah, but um, how's your town reacting to everything? Because I know, are you are you in Denver? Uh, yeah, I'm actually in a suburb outside of Denver, um, a little bit closer to the mountains, so like kind of front range area. But yeah, dude, we're 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 just now within this past week, we started seeing like um, visible panic. I would say like where everyone around you, like the dynamic of being out out in public, has changed drastically. And uh, another thing I was talking about on my show yesterday was the fact that 
when I went grocery shopping yesterday, there was this overwhelming aura of like panic and uncertainty and more people were wearing gloves and masks than not. And several people had like, had like turtlenecks flipped over their mouths and people were staring into each other's grocery carts and, uh, just very weird ways. And of course, like several aisles were just depleted. Um, there was absolutely no rice, no sandwich meat, uh, very, very little meat in general left. Um, the funny part of it was that all the vegan products and all the veg, all the vegetarian products were still fully stocked up. So I thought that was kind of funny. Like uh, Americans are always going to be picky and choosy about what they eat, even in a pandemic. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sure, like, if you go down to the Mexican aisle, there's going to be a whole bunch of tortillas left over, and God knows what else. Um, yeah, people, like, as you can see, it's not too bad of a pandemic if people aren't, like, willing to be choosy over the things they eat. Exactly, and it was uh, it was really funny because uh, I went down the soup aisle as well. I'm not really a big canned soup guy, but I figured, hey, you know, it's a crisis, why not? And I go down there, and there's absolutely none of the fun soups are left. There's no, like, chicken tortilla. There's no, like, beef stroganoff. It's, like, these fucking weird vegetarian uh, light soups, like, low-sodium soups, which I know is, is probably better for you. But, again, you know, I'm still trying to maintain my sanity, and one of the ways I do that is through the foods I enjoy. So, like, I don't know. It's just weird to see it all playing out in real time like this. Oh, no, absolutely. I definitely had some friends, like, try to contact me up and, like, oh, what can I do with this? And just show me pictures of their cupboard. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh. <laughs> I bet it is a pretty uh, interesting time to be a chef, man. I bet you got a lot of people reaching out just like, hey, dude, uh, I'm, I've been eating air sandwiches and water smoothies the past week. What can I do with this? Yeah. Yeah, just some water slushies and shit. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, you throw a lime in there, you got a half ass of a margarita. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah, I know. I really uh looking but, um, looking back on it, I uh I picked a hell of a time to quit drinking, dude. I uh I haven't drank in like a little over a year. And I was thinking to myself the other day as I'm sitting in my little station here, um, I was like, Man, you know, this would have been peak peak drinking time, you know, in the middle of a crisis, you know, you kinda like that snake pliskin character take a swig of whiskey and go out and do God's work, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, no, for sure. Uh, speaking of God's work and groceries and everything, um, speaking of the groceries here, everything, um, no, every the groceries, like, there's huge, massive lines. People are stockpiling what they got to stockpile. But, like, so far, there hasn't been any shortages that I can see or empty shelves. So on that front, here is okay. That's good. That's good. Just pretty good. Yeah. I feel so like I don't know if it's people not freaking out yet or what it is, but or what everything's well stocked. But so far, everything's okay. But as you were saying, like it seems like it's a like it's a silent killer, um, this new virus. Because um, like when you look at it, it's like basically a war. Because we haven't been through like any wars you and I, because we're in the same generation. Right. And like I always always watch these like um these movies i'm like i wonder what it is to live like through an actual war like world war ii and one and what were these people actually doing and i wonder if this is like a small sample of what that would be because like you look at like the u.s casualties in world war ii it's like four hundred thousand um in the whole campaign and we haven't even reached that and people are already freaking the fuck out and there's already no stocks left of anything 
So I wonder what like an actual war would look like in our times, you know? I think you bring up a, an interesting point because you're right. It is very, um, if there's one thing that war does almost immediately is it changes the overall zeitgeist. It changes the way that everybody feels about one another. It changes the way that we uh, process information around us. And that's exactly what this virus is doing. It's forcing us to all kind of like step back and take a look at our own mortality, even more so than we do already. And uh, touching on the on the point that yes, it is very it's a very mysterious virus and shit like that. It, it's it's never a good feeling to have that looming essence of uh, uncertainty around you in your day to day life, because as we know, life is hard enough as it is. But I think that's um, that's a very interesting point. That yes, this is about as close to experiencing some sort of um, wartime, you know, is in terms of uh, how it affects the world. And and that's a good, that's a really good comparison, World War II, because it was similar to what we're experiencing now. It's affecting everyone. And it looks like no matter where you try to run, you can't really get out of its way. Yeah, no, it's definitely something that has reached globally and affecting everyone. So it is interesting to look at as, you know, um, yeah, like kind of like a war, but it's just more silent. Right. So, and then you start thinking, like, I wonder how it is for other people in other places, these war-torn countries. Like, we're here bitching and moaning, and like <laughs> these places don't have electricity, don't they? Don't even have internet, and people are still bitching about a quarantine and or not being like, able to wipe their asses. Florida. Yeah, fuckers in Florida, like, oh, I'm gonna get drunk anyways. Fuck y'all. And then I'm like, really, dude? Like, there's bigger issues. And then some guy actually brought up a point like, oh, there's more serious things like uh, shortage of food. I think, yeah, in the same video, he's like, oh, there's a shortage of food, there's world hunger, there's wars. And like, what is that guy doing to like help with the war and like the food shortage? He's not doing anything. And the one thing he can do is help Corona and he's not doing it. So it just shows how big of a piece of shit people are, you know? Yeah, exactly. I uh, I read a, a news article yesterday on the show that, uh, detailed uh that this man he had stolen 18,000 pounds of toilet paper and various paper products and they were looking to store the products and then resell them to people that were in need of it at a markup and it's just it's crazy because another thing that we're forced to um come to terms with in times like these is that you know there's going to be we're going to see a lot of the worst of humans and we're going to see some people kind of rising to the occasion becoming better, but it, it just sucks because that ratio is always so far off balance. It always seems like there's way more shitheads in the bunch than not. Now, yeah, it's really, really unfortunate, man. Um, and speaking of God's work, I still remember that New Year's Eve where we met up and you were walking around with like a, I think it was a 357 for the shits <laughs> and giggles. I'm like, what so I guess, I guess you're ready for the worst comes to the worst, you know. You remember too much. <laughs> that was a I good do, night. Uh, to a fault, to a fault, man. <laughs> yeah, I feel you, dude. I uh, I, I live the same. Uh, I don't know. It, it's it's nice to have like a really nice, you know, detailed memory. But sometimes the memories are too detailed, and you grow up, and you're like, you know what? If this hadn't happened, maybe I wouldn't have grown up to be such a spiteful asshole, and you know, things like that. But I don't know. I'll take I'll take the boost of intelligence over the ignorance any day. Oh yeah, that's uh, you're talking about quitting drinking. That's one of the reasons why I quit drinking because uh, I don't know what your reasons were, 
but I quit drinking because I would always, because I, I would just remember back at adolescence days, and then I would drink myself to get in, into a hole, you know, so I can get into this hole of self-pity, and all, like, I would just relive all of these moments that went wrong in my life and shit like that, and I was like, oh, this isn't healthy, you know, like, that was the main reason why I was drinking. Um, it would be like a Monday, I would just turn off my phone and just and somehow end up in my bed and like I had to take public transportation. I had to take like three buses from like downtown to where I live. And I would wake up like, how the fuck am I even home? <laughs> right. So I was like, yeah, I gotta I gotta stop drinking. I gotta stop doing this shit. Yeah. So it does come you know, there's a consequences to having a good memory. Exactly. And that's that's actually a very valid point. I feel like a lot of the reason I was doing that was uh a lot of the same. You know, it's just you you think about the past, you think about things that could have been done differently, and, like, it, it's a very easy way to escape. And I was kind of, like, playing it off because it's, like, when you're surrounded by friends and you can be partying all the time, it's, like, no one no one really suspects you of being an alcoholic when you're always at a party, you know what I mean? Like, when you're at a party, it's expected of you. But what nobody realizes is that, like, for almost a decade straight after that party was over... I go home and I keep drinking and then like I wake up and I keep drinking and shit like that. And it became a, it became a routine that was just like tearing my body up inside and I started feeling it. And, um, I think it really started to show in the way that I was like treating people and the way that I, I, that I appeared overall, like, cause I was, my face was super bloated. My skin felt really bloated. I just didn't feel uh, like I was doing too well in life. And so, you know, the, that I realized very early on when I wanted to make a change in my life, I was like, okay, well, that's the first thing that has to go. But, you know, it's not easy. And it's not easy to kind of be vulnerable with yourself like that and be honest with yourself. Because at the end of the day, we, we're all born with like some form of a God complex, just the, just due to the fact that we're human beings and we create and destroy at will. So it's really hard for us to kind of sit back, take a honest, take an honest look at ourselves, and be like, "Oh, you need to fix this. You should change this. You should you should quit that," because our whole existence is built upon us building up shields against people saying those things to us. No, absolutely, it's definitely hard to like raw dog reality in life, <laughs> and we look for new escapes. You know, we yes. try to find out, try to make sense of it all. And so I salute to, like, I completely understand trying to, like, drink and escape it. But sometimes it's not the answer. Like, it got down to a point where, like, I would get the shakes and I was working an office job. And, like, I had to go by oh, that's at the 7 worst. o'clock in the morning. Yes, the shakes yeah, are the true. worst, man. Because you can't do anything about it and you look like a fucking psychopath to everyone around you. Exactly. Like, 7 in the morning, who's buying beers? And I'm, like, I step off the bus and then there's, like, these, like, um, hole-in-the-walls where they sold like cheap liquor and, and I'm just over there like fiending for a beer so I can stop the shakes or so I can stop the withdrawal symptoms, you know? Exactly. And like, that's not, they don't show you that glamour. You see that glamour on movies like, oh, I drink just fine. You know, I drink whiskey and like find the scotch, but they don't show the true grit and the reality of things. Like I was like <laughs> hunkered down making sure no one sees me drinking a beer at seven o'clock in the morning. Dude, Hollywood and, does and a fine job. That, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And Hollywood does a fine job of glamorizing alcoholism. <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah, like, and uh, we were talking like about parties. Um, we are a product of our environment, maybe because we are from Myrtle Beach. Like if we talk to any of our friends, a good chunk of them are still in that life, you know, still getting drunk, getting high. 
um, doing dumb shit, you know, just to do dumb shit. I don't know if it's a Myrtle Beach thing, because it has the highest fucking thing right now, doesn't it? Homicide and criminal, like criminal rate. It's up there. It's always been up there. Um, year after year, the crime statistics don't seem to improve much. It's and that's a sad reality yeah. of it. Is that a lot of that does have a lot of that has to do with the fact that, like I was saying before, uh, many of the locals and uh, anyone who's lived there for a, an extended period of time realizes very quickly that if you don't make a certain amount of money over those tourism uh, months, then your entire winter is spent struggling, and then that's where you're going to get your increase in drug trafficking and and general crime overall, because people are much more desperate to survive, and I don't think the city really does a good job of managing itself. I mean, how many, how many Ponzi schemes and issues has, has there been with the, uh, with the local government there? It's, I don't know. There's oh, a lot yeah. that could be changed. Uh, yeah, for sure, dude. Like, <clears throat> I remember like being 16, getting hobos to buy, like buy beer over there at 38th and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember it was just all, every weekend was just about like, let's get fucked up. Let's go to Broadway. Let's go somewhere else. Let's go to Magoo's. And I wonder if Magoo's is still serving underage. If that's just still on the hush hush, and we're really, really... dude. I uh, it's funny. I mean, you always do read about like shit like that going down every once in a while. But that's the thing. It's like put some money into the into the city. Put some money into infrastructure. Make it make it a safer place to be. And it's it it does it kind of goes. It's it's obvious to us. Like because you and I come from uh relatively uh modest backgrounds you know none of us are millionaires or anything like that so it's it always seems so clear-cut when you're living on that ground level it's like it's, it's easier to make the right decisions because you've lived it and you walked that path and you've seen other people struggling around you and it's just natural to want to lift people up around you but when you are the handful of people that are the controlling factors of what goes down on this planet and you're living in such excess, you, you're essentially building a bubble around yourself, and you're not ever going to see the reality of the situation at hand. And it's just, it's discouraging. Oh, yeah, especially when you're young, like you think you're the center of your own little universe. You and know? very idealistic. You yeah, you just give no fucks to anyone around you or anything else. And then, yeah, you really have to take a step back. And that's what, like, a fall of Myrtle Beach. Like, they really should invest in something to broaden people's horizons. Or any small town in the USA, you know? Like, most people never leave their states or, like, their cities and stuff. Right. And they're proud of that, you know? Then they really do forget that, like, it's a global thing. Like, you're not the only snowflake. Like, you're you're unique just like everyone else. Like... There should be something, an escape, especially to the youth. I remember a friend of mine got his first, like, um, uh, his first felony charge was because he was trying to, like, rob liquor, you know? Like, that <laughs> should say something about the programs there they have in Myrtle because there is absolutely jack shit to do there. Yeah, I've I've been very lucky um, to have never been arrested in Myrtle Beach like I've, I've had a several I've had several friends who have been but like yeah the justice system that's another thing man I feel like you know that's that's something that uh could stand to be altered drastically like the fact that we live in a we live in a world where there's for-profit prisons is just astounding to me that makes no sense it creates a demand for crime 
and it, and then there's you've seen you've seen several stories over the years of like all these judges who are secretly in the pockets of these of these for profit prisons, and they wrongfully convict people, mostly minorities and people that are already um, facing disadvantages socially and economically, and that right there just kind of flies in the face of uh, forward progress. And, and, and people wonder why we have such a negative attitude towards law enforcement officers. And personally, I know plenty of uh, law enforcement officers that are good people. They do their best to um, improve the communities in which they work. But unfortunately, like I said before, you know, you've got those handful of good people and then they're just kind of scattered amongst a crowd of shit. And it's like, what are they supposed to do? You know, it's, it's kind of uh I don't know. It's like you're always just kind of trying to run in, run in quicksand or something. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Um, here's the same ordeal. Like the rich people don't get arrested, and usually the poor people don't get arrested. They usually target the middle class because the middle class is people that can like pay off bonds. They're the ones that can pay for lawyers. They're the ones that can do whatever it takes to get their loved ones from jail, from uh, whether it's a little fuck up or a big fuck up, you know. Right. Um, so there's definitely even here. There's you can see that well, that complex, that prison complex going down. Because um, like usually the poor people, they're like, oh, it's not, it's not worth the bother. It's just gonna be a burden. Let's get the middle class. Uh, I know like many because I I work at a high like high end place, and here um, at least in my state, it's a zero tolerance. So if you blow anything above a zero, your ass is already in for a DUI. Holy shit. And like a lot of rich people. Yeah, zero tolerance. Like if you eat like a liqueur candy, like good luck trying to explain <laughs> that. Uh, a liqueur candy. And, yeah, well, like if you do like mouthwash, there'll be some alcohol in that. Like, you know. She I'm fell sure onto my it. penis. <laughs> <laughs> I had three Schlitz liqueur co- coffee hard candies. <laughs> yeah. And it really is hardcore. Like they, but still, like all these rich people that came to to my restaurant, they'll easily take two, three bottles to the head and just drive off, like no big deal. And we'd be like, "Oh, aren't you worried?" Be like, "Nah, they never stop me." And they'll drive off in their little Land Rovers or fucking little Mercedes, and they literally no one would ever get arrested. Like we yeah. would never get harassed by like fucking um undercovers or anything like that right because like, people, people already like, know they have the means to get themselves out of any trouble so nothing's gonna stick anyway yeah exactly and then yeah. here like there's always like oh i know a judge i know the da i know the da assistant and then it's just like like i remember when i was private chefing um there was a senator came through and shit and like all these rich people like you see how well connected they are like, how in the fuck am I just, like, serving one of the state senators right now, you know? Just because yeah. I'm just at this rich person's house, and they owned an engineering firm. And I'm like, what the fuck, you know? That's the weird like, thing it's... about money is that once you reach a certain um, level with your wealth, then it's like you're automatically kind of inducted into a small group of uh, the controlling factors of the region in which you live in. And it's... It's like you don't really have a choice because if you decide not to go in league with these people, then they have the power to take that wealth from you or destroy your reputation or make sure that you can't amass any any more wealth. It's a self-defeating person. It's a self-defeating cycle, I suppose, like if you try to do any good with that money. Oh, yeah. No, they'll corrupt you. You can start off with the best intentions, and I definitely have seen that. And you just see this person getting corrupted more and more and more. Um, and it's just 
I don't know, money brings money. And I guess people forget their humble upbringings and they just want to keep on the rent race. They want to keep getting more money. They want to show off to their other rich friends like, oh, you were able to get this car. I was able to get the same car, but with better rims. Um, <laughs> just their own little, like, it's such a dull lifestyle. If that's what, like, that's what you're living off, then that's not a life I want to be part of. Yeah, me either. And it's sad because that's um, that's basically what the power structure that governs the planet, that's basically what they tell us is proper and that's the way to live. I mean, it's it's such a materialistic um, approach to life and it's got to leave you feeling very empty because I feel like most people, they grow up thinking that this is all the right way to go about life. Like you you do your, your classic uh, go to school, have a family, have some kids try to amass some wealth so you can leave it to your kids so they can work a, a slightly uh, less work intensive lifestyle than you did. And it's, it's sad because like, I don't, I, I've never felt like humans were put here on this planet to work their lives away. Just it, it's a pimp ho situation where you're working for somebody else's money just so they can break you off a little bit of it. And you can take that back to your family and try to spread it out for the month. Or by the week, you know, like here in the States, it's always people living paycheck to paycheck. And um, down there, is it is it a monthly thing or do you guys do like biweekly payment? Um, yeah, uh, getting back to the thing, um, to like living in America, I'll answer your question. Um, that's why I left because I could see the writing on the wall. I was, I was 22 when I left. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to get stuck in the system. And I had the same thing. I had the same plans, you know. Um, Fuck it. And I was like, oh, get married, um, become legit, and then you figure something out. But I was like, there has to be more to this. It has to be like life is supposed to have more meaning. It has to be something better. And then I was just like researching Brazil and I was like, oh, I'm just going to go back to, to the land I'm from. And that brings up the salary thing is um, like whenever I tell people uh, like, oh, I used to live in, um, in the States for a long time. They're like, holy shit, you're, why are you even here? And I'm like, the thing you don't realize about uh, America is that it is the land of milk and honey, but they don't tell you that the milk is expensive and the honey is better. And, <laughs> you know, that's how I look at it. I love you, dude. I love, then, I love the way you speak. Uh, thank you, brother. Thank you. Uh, but it, it, sadly, it's true. And like at 22, I realized this, you know, I'm just going to get stuck like my parents left here from Brazil to make something better. And, and like, they went there and nothing really was better. They were working, you know, their hands to the bone and nothing really changed. The only thing was like, oh, we live in America now, but there was no great benefits. And same thing goes with my other relatives that are there. Um, like they get legalized through papers, marriage, whatever. Right. Because um, a lot of us go come illegally, but they're still doing the same bullshit. Like they... Now they just can drive with driver's licenses and they're legal, but they're still like working these like hard labor jobs. Um, even the second generation, um, they're not doing much with their lives at all. They're just either going to work with their parents or branch off, but they're still doing the same thing. So there hasn't been much improvement. And then I figured here is a little bit better because um, most people get paid monthly. Mm -hmm. And there's like a really good things like um, at the end of December, um, you get the 13th payment. And basically, it's an extra like salary. Whatever you get is done. You get an extra at the end of the month. Oh, so that's you get cool. Twice salary on this. 
Yeah, that's just pretty legit. Um, <laughs> after one year of working, you get one month of paid leave. Doesn't matter if you're a McDonald's worker, you can be the fry cook, you can be the cleaning lady. It doesn't matter what. Uh, same like equal rights for everybody. One month paid leave, three months of no, I think six months of paid maternity. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, and um, also when you work, part of your taxes go into like a government 401k. And so like you, whenever you quit, you can either withdraw that money or you can um, just keep it saving. And so that's pretty cool. Wow, that's really so, badass. Yeah, yeah. So like it's, it's an interesting dynamic trying to figure out how all of that worked. I was like, wait, you guys get paid twice in the summer? And like, it was just like, I was baffled by the system. I was like, how, like how, you know, yeah. and like you get a 401k automatically, like you ain't, you don't have to worry. So it's definitely like a different like lifestyle. Like I live the same lifestyle I did in America. Like I'm still able to buy my things, do whatever, but I have more time, more downtime for friends. I have downtime to go into the farmer's market, look at random bullshit, um, be creative if I want to. There's definitely here. There's not as much pressure as to like be in the rat race. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to no. What are you doing? You're just standing by. You're idle. Why are you idle? Like <laughs> you have to be doing something. Consume, motherfucker. Yeah. And here it's just like whatever, dude. Like if you want to go have a barbecue with your friends, do what you got to do. It's definitely <laughs> a different thing. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's something that uh the states could learn from is just like just slow the fuck down for a minute. Take a look at everything around you. Kind of appreciate you know, the fact that you're alive and still breathing and just chill the fuck out, man. Like it, the craziest thing about living in like a, a bigger city or um, something like that is the fact that like people are so encapsulated with what they're, what's going on in their own lives that we just completely disregard one another. And it's only getting worse and worse through the implementation of like uh, technology being ever more present in our lives. But it's like, you know, at some point, if this virus doesn't make us wake up a little bit, at some point we are going to have to realize that like, if we expect to um, ever advance as a race of human beings on this planet, or if we're ever going to make a future better for ourselves, like eventually we're going to have to stop, look around and come together and figure out some sort of like common, uh, common agenda. And I'm not, I'm not even saying like, Oh, one world government or all oh, like, you know, close down the borders, but it's like, can we at least stop all the divisiveness in the media? Can we stop the divisiveness amongst one another? It's it, it's just a it's a vicious cycle that only serves the purpose of those handful of people that that fucking run the planet. Absolutely, man. Um, people definitely need to broaden their horizons to ever. Um, my brothers went to school here. Um, they moved down a little bit. They went through high school. And like I was looking at through their books and what they're teaching here, it's like a completely different thing than just America, you know? It's like they teach about other parts of the world, um, <clears throat> not only like for the, um, their like uh, language elective, they had like 10, 20 different options of whatever the fuck they wanted to learn. Um, you know, it goes beyond just like a week of heritage. It goes beyond like Black History Month. It goes like, there's like history from all over the world, like, oh, like, for these two months we're going to learn about russia and then this and then that and then it's just like truly like i think that's the first step for us to become better human beings is to realize other people's um, human experiences 
and see what other people are going through. And so I guess it comes into the theme um, of this podcast, I suppose, because they're reaching out globally and so trying to widen everybody's, um, they'll widen their little broadband of the information they soak in. Hopefully there's a good chunk of people listening. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's all about perspective. And that's one thing that um, this whole virus issue has uh, kind of sparked in me is like, I'm I'm extremely curious um, about how everyone's handling it in the different phases that it's in around the globe. And uh, it's just, I don't know, I I feel like we're going to be inundated with information about it for the next, for the next like three or four months, hopefully on like the on the low end of things. I'm hoping it it gets um, I'm, I'm hoping the world can get it under control sooner because it's just, you know, we weren't ready. We weren't ready for it. And I mean, whoever is, but I mean, I think at this point we need to get this contained and then we need to really go back to the drawing board as far as how we handle um, global pandemics. And that's going to take a lot of the exactly. world's developed nations to get together and devise a plan. And we've got to do something about these underdeveloped nations that don't have the resources to keep it under control because that's just a powder keg waiting to explode. You know, it's, it's ridiculous how quickly these things spread, especially in rural communities. There's very little um, information available to those people. So, I mean, it's, it's just crazy. You know, we're, it's the, it's the year 2020 there's, you know, one billionaire could solve all the world's problems, all the world's main problems with just, a fraction of their fortune and it's it's insane yeah, it's it's absolutely insane yeah go like due to poverty china had established wood markets and like we'll look at where we're up now you know sars came from it and i'm not, obviously not blaming china or anything like that but it's just due to this i don't i don't want to say capitalist demand of like provide food but like people had to survive and go by their own of not not wealthy people had to go find their food and it just brings you like humbles yourself to see how lucky you truly are with all the things you have that you don't have to go to a wet market to find a chicken and hope and hope that it's clean you know um yeah that's a really good and, point too just the amount, amount, the amount of the dirty work that gets done for us before it even hits our plate is astounding. Oh, absolutely, man, absolutely. <clears throat> like even like me cooking definitely has like, like I've gone more down to and everything. Like, oh shit, the, the call's dropping out a little bit. Give me just one second. Let's see if I can get this. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Um, yeah, no, people don't realize how grown and packages they pitch low sodium or not, um, like how it came to be. Right. And we really are lucky that we live in the, like, that we can do that. We have that choice and that we don't have to go and suffer through a wet market and seeing, like, a chicken being butchered right in front of you yeah. or something like that. Yeah, that's very true. Could you imagine? I mean, children nowadays, like in uh, in developed parts of the world, are just so like shielded from a lot of those realities. Could you imagine if overnight there was some sort of like nuclear holocaust, and all of a sudden we were living hand to mouth and just in a survivalist world? What that? What a shock that would be to everyone. It's just 
I don't know. It's crazy. I feel like we could definitely afford to um, implement some more of the realities of life and the realities of uh, food and resources and the things that we use on a daily basis just to see the perspective and uh, to not just use up the natural resources of the planet uh, without, I guess, appreciating what it ta- what it takes to cultivate it and what it takes to um, for it to even be created in the first place. Like things like petroleum products and you know, we're talking about, we're talking about fossils and shit at that point, you know, that's a very finite resource that we have. And I just, I just don't want to, I don't want generations of human beings to be continuously raised on this planet without truly realizing and um, appreciating what it is that we were given on this planet. No, absolutely. Um, if anything, you just got to look at Venezuela and what happened over there, you know, due to shortages of food. The president was all like, there's going to be some shortages. I recommend you start growing some chickens. Like, can you imagine <laughs> Trump doing that to, like, Americans, dude? No one's going to start doing that, you know? It's People crazy. aren't ready for that reality. Speaking of that, and, dude, man, I can't believe it. His whole dancing around being tested for the virus and stuff like that, it's like, dude, this is not the time to to do the baby routine, like just, just get tested, put people's minds at ease, quit trying to be mysterious and shit like that. I feel like, I feel like our president is kind of like an edgelord. Like he reminds me a lot of um, an edgy teenager who kind of goes against the grain for the sake of being edgy, you know? Yeah, dude. Yeah. It just says shit for shock value just to see if it gets a rise out of people. It's insane. Yeah. And it fucking works every time. It's crazy. Like I don't have any affiliation to any political party and I've been very open about this in the past, but like I've never voted or anything like that. And, uh, I just, I, I just refuse to play their game because at the end of the day, like yeah. we're, we're only allowed to choose from the pool of people that this handful of corporations that runs the country fucking gives us to vote for. You know what I mean? It's, it, it to me, it's more or less watching theater play out. You know, I'm watching these guys fucking beat this script to death over and over again, election year after election year. But at the very least, like the way that I handle it is just like you got to sit back, appreciate the humor, like the natural humor that ensues, and just roll with the laughs. That's all you can do. Yeah, no, it's sad that even to this point that we live in, even politics is manufactured. Like, you just can't escape from whatever complex or industry. Everything's an industry. There is no, even, like, if you want to be an artisan, there's, like, basically a lobby of artisans and shit. Like, you can't get anywhere without just being yourself anymore. There's always something. There's always, like, you know, like, along with the carrot, you're always going to see the stick. And I think that's the, what we're living right now, you know? (laughs) Another brilliant analogy. I like that. But that's a very good point, dude. We, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Bo. Oh, it's okay. I got to take a sip of water. I've got the cotton mouth like crazy. Are you still, still getting high, boy? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's readily available out here in Colorado. It keeps me sane. That's the one thing. I mean, giving up the giving up the drinking wasn't hard, but like... I don't think I don't think Daddy's gonna be giving up the marijuana anytime soon. It's just it keeps me way too level. I don't freak out in traffic and shit. I, I don't remember the last time I actually got mad enough to yell or anything. No, that's good. Yeah, here um, I don't think legalization of any sort is gonna come through. Um, like main providers of weed is like brick weed from Paraguay, and that is the most laughable thing in the world. One day I bought it once just for the giggles. Yeah. And it's like, it was like, no lie, 28 grams, a full ounce. 
in like the size smaller than a cigarette box. And I'm like, what? guys, guys like, oh, I can give you 28 grams. And I'm like, holy shit, awesome, you know? And it was like maybe like equivalent to $10. And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, let me go, bro. Yeah, that and sounds like a get... deal at first sight there. You know? <laughs> yeah, if you don't know shit, you know? And it's just like this compressed fucking brown-ass motherfucking thing. And then I'm just like, that's insane. That... And so it's good to see that getting legalized and everything like that. Is that what made you go to Denver, or you were just, like, looking at it and was like, fuck it, let's go? No, originally it was just the fact that, like, me and, uh, you remember, you remember Skyler. Me and Skyler were just, like, so sick yeah, of... Yeah, I remember Skyler. Yeah, we were so sick of um, doing the daily routine in Myrtle and, like, the monotony of it all. And I, one of our, one of our buddies had a connection with um, a couple of dispensary owners here. And so originally, like, what made us want to move wasn't necessarily the weed itself. Skylar and I wanted to move out to a different place that had, like, more options as far as music and stuff was concerned because we were still making music at the time. And, uh, you know, we had these jobs um, already secured for us at the dispensary. So we were like, it's kind of a no-brainer, you know, like, we're looking for this adventure. Here's this adventure on a silver platter. And we moved out, and shit, that was, like, six years ago little like almost six and a half years ago and i mean it just i don't know 2012 2013 yeah yeah so like yeah it just kind of snowballed from there and then like we just kind of found some things we were good at and took life by the balls as it were yeah man it's that great urge when you're young to go see things and get out from your comfort zone and make you nervous and make you jittery but it's what keeps you on point you know yeah i i strongly suggest that like if you're feeling unfulfilled in life or if something isn't quite right and you feel stagnant just go build a life somewhere else just try it like I feel like that's one of the greatest confidence boosters is if you're feeling unaccomplished and you feel like you're not doing enough with your life pick somewhere that you're interested in go there visit if you like it move there for like a year or two you know what I mean like what what are you doing right now are you stuck in a dead-end town with a dead-end job find an opening with that dead end job in another place and just go there and work the same, the same way you're doing it where you are now, but just with different surroundings, you'd be amazed at how menial tasks in a, in a unfamiliar setting can be very uh, energizing. You know, like you're, you're, you're working for your own survival and to prove to yourself that you can, you can make a life out of nothing that, that breeds confidence and it takes balls and chutzpah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, great words of encouragement, man. Absolutely. I remember coming to Brazil, like, holy shit, what the fuck am I doing? You know, like for the whole plane ride, I didn't, I did not sleep. I was just looking at the little map on the TV screen. Yeah. On the seats, just watching. And I'm, what the fuck am I doing? And then I get here, I'm like, all right, let's go. You know, so definitely, if you're young and you got the time and you have nothing hankering down you, you just, just go for it. You gotta. Got to grab life by the balls and deep throat that dick, man. That's right. <laughs> take, it, take it take it down to the bag. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's not much else to do, you know. Yeah, you exactly. Reinvent yourself. You can change or you can stay the same. Yeah, I was um, I was so worried when I, when I first moved out here. I was, like, really worried about, like, oh, shit, am I going to be able to make it? Am I going to be able to, like, do this? I had that same realization on the plane when I I was like, dude, I've got a bag with me. I've got like a couple grand 
and I've got to go out here and make a life with that, you know, and luckily a couple of my friends are showing up a week from now, so I won't be completely alone. But like, that's another thing. If I hadn't had the awesome friend group that I had, I would not have been able to make it here because I had several people open their homes to me and my friends and allow us to like stay there while we worked and got on our feet and got some money saved up. Mm -hmm. So that was like a massive advantage right there. And I, I can't thank them enough. You know, like that's, that's one thing I've always been thankful for throughout my entire life is like, I feel like I have one of the greatest group of friends on the planet. That you included. Good, <laughs> um, whatever happened to Les Quest and all that good stuff. Oh dude, everybody started, uh, everybody, to my knowledge, everybody's still making music and doing music and stuff like that. But creatively, everybody just kind of went in a different direction, but everybody's still cool and shit. I still, uh, I still listen to those oh, tracks sometimes, like just to reminisce. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Fucking vital information. I blast it once a month or something like that, dude. Oh, nice. You were way too kind. <laughs> I haven't listened to that song yeah, in so long. <laughs> but yeah, that yeah, was man. that was definitely one of the best uh, was... bands I was ever in. It was so much fun. No, really. It was really fun like being your neighbors and mm -hmm. seeing you guys go through all of this stuff. Like It definitely was an interesting take on it. Yeah, and seeing you like guys mature and everything else, and trying like hustle and scheme to do what you guys had to do. Yeah, so man. part of me was all like, and then it's like, oh, Rick isn't in anymore. Then I lost all interest, really. <laughs> Thank you, you're very kind. I've I've heard that a couple yeah. of times. <laughs> yeah, like old buddy was like, they try to do like episodic um, releases. They're like slice of pizza back in the day, or was it some fish? Oh no no those were two those were two different um uh projects that the guys went on to do afterwards but um I really like both of those uh projects that they went after you know they that's the thing is yeah. like everyone was so talented in that group of people that like eventually we were going to get kind of stifled by the same framework of same of the same songs over and over again so like when everybody went their separate ways um creatively then like it really wasn't it really wasn't anything like crazy. It wasn't anything that like I would say was a negative in any of our lives. And um, the cool thing about it is that like, you know, we all still at some point or another keep in, keep in touch. That's good, man. That's good. Um, Skyler still over there? Uh, no, actually he just recently moved to Oklahoma. He started another adventure. Oh, there you go, man. Life full of adventures. And when's your next big adventure, bro? Oh God, I'm, I'm currently living it. You're experiencing it right now with this show. Um, I'm, this is, I don't know. This is another thing that kind of came out of, uh, moving here to Colorado is I found this weird obsession with broadcasting and like old radios and like ham radios and just, just radios in general. And, uh, this is, this has been like one of the greatest, um, kind of epiphanies in my life, especially as an adult, because I feel like it's very rare that, people get a chance or a platform <clears throat> to express themselves um, freely on. And another thing is that a lot of people's uh, insecurities about themselves kind of hold them back. And I'm one of those people, but like I find that if I just turn the microphone on and I'm honest about what I'm saying, it kind of just comes out naturally. And I think that's why I love this hobby so much. And I'm slowly turning it into an actual like full-time job because of all this shit that goes into it. Oh, dude, yeah, no, I, like, we're talking, when we were talking, um, setting this up, I could definitely see we're definitely putting you, you're, like, you're definitely laying down some good guidelines and stuff like that. 
Um, and I see that you are serious about this thing. So I wish good, good futures for you and good, great success. And if you ever want me back, man, just let me know. It'd be a great pleasure. Oh, fuck. Yeah, dude. We're, we're definitely going to do this more. And, uh, I've, I've really enjoyed doing these live streams here and there because it's kind of, uh, it's kind of fun to just sit back and like, just whoever wants to pop in and watch can do it. Whoever wants to talk can do it. And, uh, I like to offer everyone who's who's listening or watching you know if you ever want to come on one of these hangouts um either in the morning or at or when i do brass tacks after dark you know you guys can always uh send me a message or uh hit me up through any of our social medias and i'll be happy to have you on and just kind of have a conversation no pressure we just kind of hang out you know <laughs> talk about life yeah i know that yeah it's been great like um we've been at this for like an hour it doesn't even feel like it yeah exactly man it, it's crazy man the more you do it um the easier it gets and uh i used to be such a nervous fucking punk about it dude i would have like i actually have uh, a few notes written down right now that i've just kind of been glancing over but i have notebooks all over the place and in the in the formative years of our show i would have like three pages full of like just nervously written notes to try to regurgitate back over the microphone in an hour long period. And uh, I'm happy to say that I've definitely gotten a lot better at formatting the show and, uh, and kind of keeping everything on a good timeline. Oh, absolutely. I, I understand what you mean. It's all, it, it goes back to like those shower conversations you have with yourself. It's like, damn, I should have went and said that. Or like you're getting prepared and then you're like, oh, I can't believe I didn't say that. So I can understand that nervousness <laughs> and trying to write things down to keep things in track, you know. So you're, you're being a good host to all of this, man. I appreciate all your hard work and your people should definitely listen to this because I can see all the hard work you're putting into it. And if you keep on going, man, you can do anything sooner or later, but we might even have Joe Rogan on your shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that would be nice. I, I wouldn't mind that exposure. I can tell you that much. Daddy's kind of sick uh, of working no, the day job. That motherfucker like fucking bulletproof. That motherfucker can get anybody. Yeah, that's true, man. It's it's crazy. I I definitely uh, I'd love to see those numbers, but you know we'll get there. It's gonna be a steady drive, but I have no I have no doubt we'll we'll be fine, especially with the years to come. You know we've we've put a lot of uh, work into our production value, and it's already paying off. And it's it's kind of cool, you know, during this whole virus situation. People have a lot more free time. People are at home. They're listening to more podcasts, and we're definitely seeing that in our numbers. So it's kind of cool to be people's oh, go-to. Yeah, I know. Voice of calm and, uh, you know, a voice of calm and reason during all this chaos is always a great <laughs> thing to have. Yeah, well said, man. Especially, we could all use that. Yeah, just a small voice. Whether, no matter what voice, as long as there's a voice of reason. Hell and yeah. You know. That makes all the difference in the world. Like the wrong play, the wrong person at the right time makes all the difference in the world. Fuck yeah, man. Very well said. So we got to do what we got to do, man. No, you know, it, it's definitely a great pleasure, man. And as a friend said in one of his songs, you got to be all you got to be, you know. <laughs> man, you're killing me over here, man. You'll make my heart explode. Well, I think, uh, nah, I think. Man, that's just the corona. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I've contracted it. <laughs> I think with uh, that being said, let's go ahead and bring this bad boy in for a landing. And uh, Alex, thank you again for joining me today, man. It's been awesome talking to you and hanging out. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. Gotta make it memorable. Yeah, man. So, yeah, man, uh, I really appreciate you being here. And again, um, go follow Alex on Instagram. It's at Chef 
AlexG843. And uh, please make sure you go and subscribe to the Brass Tax Podcast YouTube channel and uh, check us out on all, all of our social media. Instagram is The Real Brass Tax. Uh, like our Facebook fan page, Brass Tax Podcast. Um, we release episodes every week and I'll be doing streaming. I'll be doing some streams from uh, my profile as well as the Brass Tax profile and eventually we'll start doing some on YouTube. But um, yeah, and, uh, Alex, if you have anything else you want to plug or anything else you want to promote, go ahead and... Uh, let your voice be heard. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate you plugging the, the Instagram. If people want to follow my random poems, if you like the random bullshits I say, follow my Twitter. Um, I forgot what it is. I think it's Cat Like Thief. It is. At LK Thief. Yeah. <laughs> and I like. I used to get drunk and write to it a lot, but now I'm just sober writing, so it's changed. But if you want some random poems, some shit, I don't know what the fuck I write, but I write shit. Um, but I appreciate you having me on, bud. Yeah, man, anytime, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Always, man. Thank you for the smooth sailing. All right, brother. You have a good night. You too, bro. Thanks, man. Night.